Dig. David Darren. Top five things podcast here on nonshowradio.com and DaveAndDarren.com. This is a look at some of what we got done during our morning show, which you can hear on Planet 93.9. I'm Dave from Dave and Darren. The Darren from Dave and Darren? He's right over here. I'm right over here. Why are you so loyal to Rex Grossman? The podcast is brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois, Tech Drive in Milan and West Main Street in Galesburg. Milan, they're open every day. Galesburg, they're open weekdays and Saturdays. The Milan store offers both medicinal and recreational. Galesburg is recreational only. The recreational waiting lists are available. You can reserve your time if you go to ntillinois.com. Let's take a look at number one, yeah? Number one. Number one. 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 Number one. How's this for a side hustle? This is genius. This guy is making 10 grand every time he does this. This is in Australia, so I don't know what 10 grand Australian works out to in our money. Probably about the same, right? Bill Edgar is his name, and his side hustle is he is a coffin confessor here's the idea i got some stuff that i want people to know but not till after i'm dead and this guy will show up at the funeral and spill the beans on everything you're gone here's my confession right bill edgar the coffin confessor carries out his newly departed client's wishes from beyond the grave so the deceased mm-hmm. lets everybody have it on funeral day? Boy, this, this, that's this, right away. This guy's business, for which for $10,000, he's engaged by people knocking on death's door to go to their funerals or to the gravesides as they're lowering the coffin into the ground and reveal secrets that they want their loved ones to know. He says, they've got to have a voice, and I lend my voice to them. He's a private investigator and said the idea for a graveside hustle came when he was working for this guy that was terminally ill. He says, we got on the topic of dying and death, and he he said he'd like to do something. And I said, well, I could always crash your funeral for you. And a few weeks later, the guy calls him up and says, yeah, no, I want you to do that. I want you to crash my funeral, and I want you to tell these people the following things. You know who would love that? Hmm. Who would be good at that? Ah, uh, Raji. <laughs> He'd be perfect at it this. It would be perfect. All right, everybody. Uh, here's the grievance. <laughs> Eddie had a couple things he wanted you all to know. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's crashed in the last two years, 22 funerals and graveside events, spilling the tightly held secrets of his clients who pay a flat fee of $10,000 for this service. I can't imagine he's received very well. What does he care? He doesn't know these people. I I understand that, but it's still a matter of people being quite upset with him being there. Yeah. And doing this, and then finding out that their loved one spent $10,000 on that as opposed to (laughs) passing it along to them. This it, this cost how much? All right, so ten thousand Australian dollars works out to about seventy three hundred dollars American. Still, so you think he he has to deal with unpleasantness? Oh, I from family members, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not telling them pleasant things. If they were pleasant things, right? Then the deceased would have mentioned it long before they were deceased. These are things that the deceased want you to know. But they don't have the courage to tell you while they're still here, I guess. He gets all dressed up. He says, I try to blend in with the mourners. I sit with the family and friends. I sit in the middle with everybody. In the case of his very first client, the coffin confessor says he was instructed to interrupt the man's best friend when he was delivering the eulogy. And he was given instructions. So when my best friend is giving the eulogy, uh-huh. I want you to stand up. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa, and whoa, whoa, I want you to stand up while he's delivering my eulogy. I want you to stand up and tell him to sit down and shut up. 
because his best friend, it seems, had been having an affair with his wife, Uh. and he knew it. So you're there giving a eulogy for your best friend. You've been stooping his wife. And and you're thinking, we got away with it. And you're thinking you got away with it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's a shame that he passed. I, I think of what a great friend he was to me all these years. And then this guy stands up and goes, you got no business talking, buddy. You're banging his wife. That's right. He paid me to let you all know that he knew the whole time. He knew the whole time what you two were doing. That would be I mean, you know how I love awkward situations that don't involve me. Yeah, but then that starts involving you. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think for seventy three hundred bucks, I although can, I, I can go tell people some stuff. Although I'm, I might come and watch you do it. <laughs> right? Be my wingman, getaway driver. He'll tear you to pieces. <laughs> he says I also had to ask three mourners to stand up and please leave the service. And if they didn't, I would escort them out. My client did not want those people at his funeral. And like he said, it's his funeral, and he wanted to leave the way he wanted to leave, not on someone else's terms. So you have a list. I mean, these these must be some pretty interesting people that have a list of folks they don't want at their funeral. But it's like, if if A, B, or C shows up at my funeral, uh-huh. you stand up during the service and tell them they got to leave, because that's what I want from beyond the grave. I'll send you some images as to who they are. He says the secret is to get the crowd on your side. And once you do that, everything's fine. How do you do that? Well, he says people who are in mourning are very interested to know what was left unsaid. It's a very unique opportunity. I mean, you've got someone there speaking for the dead. Yeah. So imagine if it's something like, Here's the secret. I I was in love with someone else, or I have a secret family, or... There's a treasure buried under a big W. Maybe. He says when people are knocking on death's door, some of them are alone for six to 12 months before they die, and they never see anybody. So they don't have the opportunity to reveal their secrets. Well, that's kind of sad. Well, and more so now. Especially now. He said that his most confronting job was telling mourners at a biker's funeral that his client was gay and a lover of the biker was in the audience. Oh, boy. They took offense to it, he says, but there were also a fair number of people that kind of already knew what was going on. He said his arrogance is what makes his job possible. Quote, I've been to a church service where I actually had to sit and ask the priest to sit down and be quiet because my client did not want a religious service. He says the priest was pretty offended, but at the same time, he understood. And I'm still getting paid. Yeah. Putting 73. No, no, no. I'm talking about the priest. Oh, yeah. The priest is. Yeah, probably. I'm already paid for. He protects himself legally by recording the client's confession also provides them with a disclosure statement. He says, especially if I have to go somewhere where the person used to own the premises and they got to get rid of some items that they don't want their kids to find. Could be sexual items, could be pornography, it could be money or drugs or guns. The instructions are to basically destroy everything. Although, destroy it. I'll take this magazine and this bag. I'll destroy it in my own way. Oh, it's going away. He says some people are dismayed and disappointed by his graveside revelations. You think? But a lot of times it's very well received. Because think about it. You're there at a funeral and in a way you're hearing from the person that you love that's gone. There are going to be instances for some people that are going to be like, I knew it! (laughs) So some people are going to be pleased. Hey, everybody, a spider wanted me to tell you all that he's been in love with uh, with Brass Knuckles over I here. knew it! You just stand up. Oh, man, that's just amazing. That's ballsy. When priests and funeral directors try to prevent this guy from delivering his secrets, he says uh, that does not let him stop because he says, I have a contract with a client. 
And if the deal is the way he, he works, the paperwork, my client, who's in the coffin right there, has said, if I'm not allowed to do this, I am to take the body with me. And these are the instructions of the deceased, so I have to do it. So we can either have the funeral here, or I can take the body with me, and now you get nothing. You can do this the easy way. <laughs> right? He makes arrangements to have uh, the bodies taken away and cremated, and, and they do a private ceremony sometimes. But again, his number one job is to respect the wishes of the dead. Psychologists warn that this is not healthy. No! To have no. bombshells from the grave is probably not the best idea. No. Paying a stranger to drop a bombshell from the grave and then leave the grieving family right. could be dangerous, as grief is a complex enough emotion without something like this complicating how you grieve. Oh, I agree. So is he providing a service, or is he an instigator? I think he's providing a service. I think this is brilliant. Uh, this is going to end up being like a Netflix series. The Coffin Confessor. Mm -hmm. This is too good to not be a movie or a TV show, right? Two. 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 I have a story here from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I can't decide whether this is someone who is doing a bit or if they're genuinely a little... little crazy into coconut i feel like this is somebody who's doing shtick mm -hmm. but it's also possible given all of the video that i've watched and that you've no doubt seen of wackadoos going to city council meetings and and saying their piece it, it, it's possible that this guy isn't putting us on mm -hmm. i think it's also equally possible that this is this is a bit that he's doing Either way, I wanted to share it with you. This is, again, from Lincoln, Nebraska. The guy's name is Ander Christensen. And it's the city council meeting there in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's time for, you know, public comment. Let's open it up. Right? A couple of years ago, the woman here locally who, uh, the, there was the Portillo's zoning. And, and she came and said her piece about Portillo's. And... It, Instead of talking about Portillo, she was just talking about some family issues that were going on. Well, I think she had some problems. She did. She did. But this is the thing. At these city council meetings, you just never know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And if you have a public access channel and you're able to watch city council meetings in this town you live in, I encourage you to do it because sometimes you, you really learn a lot about your friends and neighbors. Wasn't there, not the Portillo's lady. Yeah. Years ago, we used to watch. Wasn't there kind of a repeat offender that would to, show up at city council the, meetings? The Davenport City Council meeting could be. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how it works. I will tell you from my time covering city council meetings. And you did this, this for how long? Oh, I I covered uh, the Dubuque City Council meetings for a, a solid year, year and a half. Uh huh. It's all the same people showing well, up. Well, no, I I understand that. There's a you know at the school board meetings there are people that feel the need to show up at the school board meeting and, and comment. And it's the same people. And it doesn't matter what school district you're talking about. No, I get it. There are like two or three hardcore people that kind of fancy themselves pseudo board members. <laughs> feel the need to give their statements on things. Now, you have to let the public comment yeah. during your city council meetings. All right. In closed sessions. Here we go. <laughs> So this is a city council meeting, Ander Christian. Uh, it's time for public comments, and well, I'll just I'll just play the audio from this guy and what he had to say to the city council there in Lincoln, Nebraska, during the public comment portion of the uh, meeting. Okay, we'll go with this gentleman first, and then Jane, and then you. Okay. I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. 
I propose that we as a city remove the. Excuse me, I'm trying to. Yeah. Excuse me. Sir. Come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. Thank you. Hold down, I, I would like to just comment here. For the record, that's my son. <laughs> I did notice the last name and just thought, yeah, yeah. coincidence. <laughs> so is he just doing a goof because Dad's on the city council? I think he can. Or, I or think is he, he? I think it's both. I think he means it. Yeah. I mean, he's spot on. You couldn't agree more with this guy. What are other names for boneless chicken wings? I mean, nuggets, right? Uh, what? What's interesting? A nugget is proprietary to McDonald's. You can only have... Well, no, that's no, not that's, true because they call them nuggets at uh, Wendy's. No, that's a McNugget. A McNugget. There are chicken tenders. Yeah. See, chicken tenders to me is a strip, it, though. It is more strippy. Chicken fingers. Yeah. And I've heard them called chicken lips. You know what? I have heard that, too. That's a th- That was a thing in Macomb for a while. They had a place that did chicken lips. Yeah, oh, that's a good. That's a good call. It's confusing. Why are they called so many different things? You think he genuinely wants them to rename boneless wings? Because this feels like this is this kid. I te- and I say kid. He's thirty-one, right? How old is this guy? Well, this was yeah. It seems, it seems like he's doing shtick. Well, he might be doing shtick. I'll tell you where he had me. It was when he said, we don't have boneless auto repair. <laughs> At first I thought, like, this, right is, on. Uh, this is nonsense. And we got around to the boneless auto repair. I thought, yeah, you know what? Yeah. You make an interesting argument. So is dad frustrated that, the, that his grown son showed up and made a mockery of public comment time? Or is he saying, that's my son, like everyone, that's what that's, I have to deal with. That's all he ever talks about. <laughs> This is, He's been talking about this since since he could talk. Everything that's going on right now, and that's all he talks about, is boneless chicken wings. Well, you know how I feel about this. Well, tell me. I would certainly order chicken wings, not boneless chicken wings. I always do bone-in. Yes, of course. Because that's... That's where the flavor is. In the bone? Well, no, the meat yeah. is always going to be much more tender. Because it's actually wings. Yes, they're actual not, wings. Right. It's not... Yeah, I want to go through the process of eating a chicken wing, mm-hmm. not just throwing chunks in my mouth <laughs> like a like I'm a, a seal. That's, see, that's my argument is boneless wings are for children. Yes. Although, at some point, your kids have to have... There's, like, at my house, when I get a bucket of chicken... I have to make sure there's plenty of drumsticks because that's what the boy likes. And I remember as a kid liking drumsticks exclusively, too. There's just something about a drumstick that's really... Nice and easy. Yeah, yeah. And and I think for me it was because that's what was always in the cartoons. <laughs> when, like, Tom and Jerry would have a feast with chicken well, and eat the drumsticks. Well, typically when I would smuggle chicken into football games... Sure. It would be drumsticks. Yeah. Nice and easy. And, you know, I can strip it quickly and then throw it away. So boneless wings are for... Little children, but even that you a drumstick is what you should use. Are you opposed to the idea of the boneless wing being called a boneless wing? 
I think I am. All right. I mean, if you want to, if it's it's a chunk, isn't it? So not a boneless wing. So would the city be able to say you're not allowed to call it a boneless wing if it's on your menu that way? I don't think they took. I mean, the, 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 it sounded like he got a nice response. Well, he's got a guy on the. He's got his dad on the city council, so maybe buffalo-style chicken tenders, wet tenders, saucy nugs. Chicken lips, chicken fingers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, um, wow. I I don't know if this guy, I still don't know if this guy's doing a bit or not. When they start laughing at him, he's like, please, I'm trying to talk. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's a work or if he's really, this is really his cause. The flavor's attached to the bone. I just like the experience of having a bone. I just like being able to look at the plate at the end and go, I did that. As opposed, As opposed to, to looking at nothing. There's just a bowl of nothing? What is that? There's no accomplishment in that. You know what I made? I made something. I, I made a dirty dish. That's not what I want. I can't make stock out of nothing. No, exactly. What can I do with nothing? All right. I guess I'm on board. He's having a little fun, but he probably does believe that you shouldn't call him that, and that's kind of where you're at, too. I where think that's the case. Number three. 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 We were talking about a guy earlier on in the show. We were talking about a guy who is a coffin confessor, and his his job is, this is his side hustle. You give him, like, a little more than $7,000, you tell him your deepest, darkest secrets when you know that you're about to die, and then he shows up at your funeral and either lets people have it, like drops emotional bombs, or tells people he knows <laughs> he knows what the dis- departed knows. And it's a pretty lucrative job this guy has, speaking for the dead at their own funerals. Mm-hmm. It really seems like there's some franchise opportunities there. <laughs> right. Another story of a message, not from the dead, but certainly intended for the dead. Uh, This woman in her 80s in northern France just got a letter in the mail that was meant for her great-grandfather. So she's 80. Mm -hmm. This is her great-grandfather. This was a letter that was supposed to be delivered 138 years ago. And it just showed up. It's a postcard that was sent January 27th, 1877. Now, I know we've been dealing with delays. <laughs> well, this is France. <laughs> okay. The crazy part here is this postcard was sent from a town in France, saint Nord. It was uh, sent to Trelon, France. That's about 10 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. That's... That's nothing. No. That's a short distance, and yet it took 138 years for this postcard to arrive at its destination. The postcard delivered to Therese Palia, the great-granddaughter of the addressee. I mean, even if you took off Uh from the one town and then just scooted on your butt the whole way, (laughs) I mean... It wouldn't take too long. Ten kilometers is a little more than six miles. Yeah, so even scooting on your butt. She says, the postman brought it to me. He and his colleagues were surprised, too. The letter, which is still legible, uh, the sender refers to an order of yarn from a spinning mill that was once owned by this woman's great-grandfather. He died in 1897. So he died 20 years after he was supposed to get this postcard. Was waiting for the postcard the only thing keeping him around? I don't know. It's a good question. Where's my yawn? I'm uh, sending you this postcard. I'm wondering uh, where is the yarn that I was uh, waiting for? I want to knit uh, how you say sweater. Yeah, that's how we say it. Sweater. (laughs) 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 Do they say, do the French speak that way when they're speaking to to other French? Oh, you say... Yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, that's a big thing over there. Uh Uh-huh. It's like, I'm looking for the, how you say, Eiffel Tower. 
But I too am French. <laughs> yes. How you say Eiffel Tower? We all say oh. Eiffel Tower. Uh, good to know, huh? Now check this out. I'm walking into the wind, yes? Now I'm in a box. Can you imagine it? Uh, how you say I'm uh, mime? Mime is money. <laughs> to the bird. <laughs> to the bird. Yeah, she says the postman brought it to me. He was surprised. The letter, we don't know why it took so long to get there. Clearly. Was it a postal error, or did they recently find this postcard and put it back in the mail? I mean, it had to be lost, right? I mean, it had to be stuck behind something. Well, if you found a postcard that was that old, you would just put it in the mail? How is the stamp any good? Again... This is a postcard from 1877. Yeah, the postage would be wrong. Have they not upped their postage? In a statement, the regional post service describes the late delivery as very exceptional. And they point out that this is not uh, even necessarily the same postal service as today. They say here it can sometimes happen that a letter gets lost when a locker is dusted, tidied, or removed. A letter can fall accidentally and is found years later, but generally it's quite rare. A decade or so, that's possible. But a century, they say. It's incredibly day. How you say? How you say, uh, not usual? Huh? <laughs> I bet that's what you say, too, when you get a postcard that's that old. You pick the postcard up and you just go, oh, <laughs> Well, that's what I'm reading. I'm just reading it. That's what it says and that's on the postcard. It. <laughs> that's all the postcard said. Uh-huh. Dear sir, I hope this postcard finds you well. <laughs> Signed, Pierre. Right. How you say Pierre? We say Pierre. Oh, good to know. Number four. 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 Family in Australia. And I think this is... I want to say this is something that could only happen in Australia, although there's a story from Texas I want to share with you that'll, that'll also give you a little bit of a nightmares. Especially if you're someone that goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night. This woman in Australia has a broken toilet, and she's trying to figure out... It was sliding! <laughs> Jesse's delicious! No, it's not another broken toilet seat. Courtesy of my sister from riding the bus with my sister. It's not. It's not that. This is a, this is a situa- different situation entirely. This is a, a broken toilet in Australia. Couldn't get the thing to flush properly. Sophie Pearson lives on a farm in Queensland, Australia, so the toilet's not flushing. She says, I went to the toilet, I went to flush it, and I really had to push down on the button to get it to work, so I was a bit confused. So she decides to take the top off the tank Mm -hmm. to see if maybe she can figure what's up. Something in there? Yeah, oh yeah, there's something in there. She removes the lid, and there are four tree snakes. Hello there. All coiled Around the cistern. There's a snake in the tank. Four snakes in the tank. That's not great. Hello there. That's not ideal. And they've got the tiny bull man. I would imagine a lot. <laughs> and he's not breathing. He's not breathing. He's blue. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine a lot of people don't know who the tiny bull man is. Why would you? I, I guess if you're, uh, when did they stop doing the Tidy Bowl Man in the eighties? Long time ago, early eighties, right? The Tidy Bowl Man was a, a he was commercial in and, your tank, and and it was a bit of video trickery they used in the commercial. <laughs> well, it was a toilet cleaner, and the idea was this man would drive around in a boat in your toilet, <laughs> or your toilet tank, wasn't it? Was he actually in the toilet? He wasn't in the toilet, wasn't wasn't he in the tank? Oh, so you open up the tank and that's he's just he's, driving around. That's, in the, where he's, that's where he's doing his work. Yeah, that makes sense. He was in the Otherwise toilet you're tank. you're flushing him. He was. <laughs> that would be a crummy job to be the time. You think you've got a crap job. <laughs> that's not great. That's not a great, not a great gig. But he was to always. To be floating around in a boat waiting for them you to. You think yeah. you have a crap job. <laughs> 
But he was always standing up, wasn't he? He was never sitting down. He was standing up with an oar, wasn't oh, he? Right. Yeah. He would he would stand in the tank and explain his presence in your toilet. I'm yeah. not a I'm not a weirdo. I'm <laughs> right. He would try to convince you that I'm this not a is, I'm not a weirdo. This is I, totally normal for I'm, me to be dressed I, up in my little sailor outfit. I, I should be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was wearing like he would wear stripes. It, it, kind of like the and it's from the same era. He's kind of dressed like Daryl Dragon. Yeah, he's got that hat. Captain from he's Captain got- and Tennille. It's the same coat. It's the same hat. Yeah, I don't know which branch of the military he's from. Oh, the from. Navy, clearly. Uh, clearly. The toilet Navy. I'm bringing you solid Toddy Bowl now with Ring Guard. You'll scrub less often because Toddy Bowl has Ring Guard to help keep your toilet bowl ring-free automatically. Hmm, cleans and deodorizes, too. Now Toddy Bowl gives you a choice of lemon fresh blue and pine scented green. Toddy Bowl solids won't break like bowl cleaners that come in glass. Tidy bowl means less scrubbing for you. Hmm. Now that was weird because he's looking up at her. He's yeah. a miniature man, <laughs> yeah. and he just threw her the tidy bowl, and it was normal size in his little tiny hand. But when he threw it from the toilet to her, it somehow became a regular size tidy bowl. That's how it works. The 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 universe that tidy bowl lives in is fascinating. Hello, I'm not a creep. Hey, I'm not a weirdo. I'm here working. To keep the toilet clean. I'm not into this. I didn't ask for this assignment. I wanted to go to the Philippines. <laughs> but this is where the Tidy Bowl Navy sent me. Truth be told, I was court-martialed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serving out a sentence. Uh, I was a merchant marine who took liberties with some of the things I was and now asked to deliver. I will and spend eternity in your toilet tank. It's not weird. So, yeah. I'm fed up with scrubbing. Excuse me, but you need Tidy Bowl. Here. Oh, it's you, the Tidy Bowl man. Will this help? Sure. With each flush. It's not weird at all that a little tiny man is talking to me in the toilet. Or the it's fact, not weird at all. Or the fact that when she takes the top off the tank, he's not. He's just not like, oh, you know what's that? <laughs> the, the light. The light. He's in the dark so much. Yeah. You think it would take oh. a while for his eyes to adjust? Oh, I've been a- been in the hole. Oh. Yeah, his eyes don't take do you, any time at all to adjust. Do you remember the commercial where it was a Tidy Bowl commercial and there was this old woman who was like a guest in someone's house and she was snooping around to see what they had in their bathroom? Yeah. Like she's going through their medicine cabinet. And now I'm going to go through your toilet tank. And then she does some snooping and then it's like the Tidy Bowl man Doing a little bit of security. Uh-huh. They're in the... Who uh, are you? Yeah, what... Who are you? I don't recognize you. No. What are you, you What are you doing? Why... You don't belong here. Why did you take the top off the tank? That's a weird... That's... The only reason to take the top off a tank... Is if you're the homeowner. If you're a guest, you only take the top off the tank if you're going to give an upper decker. That's the only reason to do that. Upper decker? You know what an upper decker is, right? I don't know that I want to. <laughs> The uh, the only reason to take the top off a tank in a home you don't live in is to do an upper deck. Hey, who are you? You don't belong here. Oh, I just can't help it. When I go to somebody's house, I snoop. And I can always tell a tidy bowl bathroom. See? The tidy bowl man. Tidy bowl makes the water a beautiful Caribbean blue. And only tidy bowl contains lemon fresh borax to clean and deodorize automatically. So it's tougher on germs, stains, and odors. Get Tidy Bowl now in liquid or solid. Your bathroom never really looks clean without Tidy Bowl. People will snoop. If you People th- will snoop? If you think that's what the Caribbean looks like, you've also, clearly never been to the Caribbean. Also, don't come to the Caribbean if looking at our water gives you this idea. We'd rather you not come to our islands. And know this, when people use your restroom, they are snooping, so you better have a little man. You know what I can't wait to do as soon as I get to the Caribbean? (laughs) I really won't have any control over it. (laughs) 
just a response. I see that Caribbean blue water and... Uh, I know what I must do. <laughs> anyway, this woman finds these snakes and she ends up calling someone to take care of them and they ended up wrangling the snakes, which were anywhere from a couple of inches to three feet long. A family of well, snakes. They, they think pr- the snakes came into the house through a loose floorboard. They were probably happy to get out of there, too. Non-venomous snakes released and unharmed into a nearby cane field. There's a field. snake in the tank. This, this is, again, an, an Australian story. And in Australia, they just have to deal with insane creatures that are going to kill them all the time. A friend of mine was telling me that a friend of his who's from Australia, every time she puts her shoes on, she lives here in the Quad Cities, uh-huh. And every time she puts her shoes on, she picks her shoes up and shakes them. To make sure. To make sure there aren't any venomous spiders in the shoe. And it's to the point where you know you don't have to do that here, but it's just part of putting your shoes on. Yeah. Because you grew up in Australia. She doesn't even notice she does it. Right. Yeah, there was a video a couple of weeks ago in Texas of a snake creeping its way out of a toilet. This was in West Texas where they just, you, you, you get in the bathroom and then there's just this snake sticking his head out of the, the toilet. So they come in, I guess, if there's a break in the sewer system in your line and, and then that's how snakes get in is they come in through the toilet. A tidy bowl man has to stay on his toes. Because not only do you yeah, got to deal all, with snoopers. Because all he's got is the oar. <laughs> as, far, think, as far as self-defense is I think, concerned. I think he's also issued a flare gun. Yeah, he might have a flare gun. But if the tank's down, that doesn't do you any good. Well, ah, no. damn it, it's ricocheted right back in the boat. Now I got this to deal with. My boat's on fire. I got a massive snake. I got smoke on the water. Five. 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 Number five. Drug house in Pontiac, Michigan in the news. Trap house? Drug house, not a trap house. There's a difference. How do you know Carl? Uh, from, from Starbucks. The Oakland County Sheriff's narcotics team descended on this house in Pontiac, Michigan. And they ended up arresting three people. Uh, Stephen Robidak, Thomas Miller, and James Walker. They're all accused of operating a drug house. Inside the house, the sheriff found 125 grams of cocaine, 119 grams of ketamine. That's like a tranquilizer for Uh horses, right? And they found $8,000 in cash. They also found, along with the stash... Two exotic Arctic foxes. Now, what do you think the foxes were? Security. (laughs) Apparently, this is a thing. It's a status thing for drug dealers. You get an exotic animal of some kind. So we've got all the drugs in the house, but we really need to take this to the next level. We need to get an exotic animal. I'm going to be Dr. Evil. Right. These three are also accused of running an underground rave club. A mile and a half from where this drug house was, was a business that was also raided. And it says you wouldn't know it from looking at the building, but there was a decal up that said Uptown Music Club. They were having illegal rave parties and selling drugs. I guess a rave party, an illegal rave party is probably a really good place to sell drugs. And then what? You bring home the money and have the Arctic foxes count the cash? These things are going to sell themselves. (laughs) As long as you know the secret knock. Inside the club, investigators found more cocaine next to a speaker. They also found a 12-gauge shotgun in a guitar case. They'll be in court uh, next week to answer. Maybe they'll provide some answers as to why they had a... (laughs) Two pairs of Arctic foxes. You, you think if, if it's a pair, do you think that's a, a male and a female? Or w- w- was he Arctic fox breeding? Your eminence. Uh, 
the foxes just wandered in. They're strays. We, we took them in out of the kindness of our hearts. We should have never fed them. And there's this story uh, of a guy, a World War II veteran, Navy vet from World War II, who is going to get the casket he's always wanted. Sunny Economy asked his friend, Sammy, who works at the Oakey Funeral Home in Roanoke, Virginia. Sammy, can you get me a deal? Sammy, I, I've i got a casket that I want, a specific casket. And again, Sunny Economy is this guy's name, a World War II vet. He's still alive, by the way. Currently sick at the VA hospital in Salem, Virginia. And this guy's thing, what he's known for and has been known for for as long as anybody can remember, everywhere study economy goes, this World War II Navy vet, everywhere he goes, he just hands out packs of juicy fruit gum. That's what he's known for. So the people at the funeral home, he says to the Sammy at the uh, a funeral home, I want my casket to be painted to look like a giant stick of juicy fruit gum. So the funeral home asks the people at Juicy Fruit. Yeah, can we do this? Mars Wrigley owns the, the Juicy Fruit trademark. And they ask, is this okay if we do this? They explain the, uh, the situation. Well, for the proper licensing fee. Well, that's, this is the problem. Uh, the company that owns Juicy Fruit, Mars Wrigley, says... Under no circumstances are you to paint a casket to look like a pack of our delicious juicy fruit gum. They are only to be used, it says here in this uh, this statement that was given to the funeral home. You are not to use our trademark. Quote, they are only to be used for our products, advertising, and licensed merchandise. But then someone decided, okay, we're asking the company... Maybe we need to make an appeal to the president of Wrigley's. Like, instead of asking a company, uh-huh. why don't we ask the guy? So they post about this on Facebook, and people go crazy on Facebook saying, you know, we can't believe Juicy Fruit would do this. This is a World War II Navy veteran. And they email the president of Mars Oakley directly, and he replies a couple days back, and he says, listen, we'll change our policy. And... When he passes away, we'll make sure that there's plenty of juicy fruit product there at the visitation. So, like, you can go to the funeral, and it'll be like he's giving you one last pack of juicy fruit. That's smart. Now, obviously, the hope is that Mr. Economy gets better. That's the hope. Although, you Well, know, relatively speaking. Yeah, right. I mean, Right. So the, the casket now will be either painted to look like a juicy fruit or they'll add what they call an applique to the casket to make it look like a big juicy fruit casket. I don't say applique. He's going to get the casket he's always wanted. And I, I almost wonder if, like, do you think, obviously, if you're a World War II Navy vet, you're, you're in your 90s, right? You're sick at the VA. Does that make it easier for you to say goodbye if you know, like, Everyone's going to get juicy fruit when I go. And that's my thing. I give out packs of juicy fruit. How do you turn down a World War II veteran? I, no, thanks for the gum. No, thanks. How do you do that? I guess you just have to accept it, right? Oh, I, I would take juicy even fruit. If, even I would if, take juicy fruit gum from anybody. But if it's like, eh, no, thanks. I'm not really a gum person. No, I'm sorry. Well, now, hang on. Oh, I got hold some... on. Hold on there, mister. You don't like juicy fruit gum? No, not really. How has Juicy Fruit Gum not been giving this guy product for years anyway? Like, we got to wait for him to almost be dead? It's hard on my teeth. (laughs) No, thanks. No, come on. I insist. No. No. I'm not going to leave you alone about this. Now you're turning this into a thing. Son of a gun, you're going to... That's the last thing I wanted. I didn't want to turn this into a thing, but you're turning it into a thing. (laughs) I, I know you served. I know you did. I just don't want any gum. There's there's Bob Williams up in Long Grove, and 
he walks to the Dollar General and he buys boxes of Hershey's milk chocolate and hands those out. He's he's the candy man, right? Bob Williams. And didn't Hershey's give him a bunch of, when they got the wind of the story, they gave him a bunch of Hershey bars to, to hand out? A Hershey bar? Yeah, well, that's just, uh, this guy handed out thousands and thousands of candy bars. And then the people at Hershey's, I, I even think they made a commercial out of him, right? Candy bar man up in Long Grove, Bob Williams. Just a nice, simple Hershey's bar. Yeah. But you wouldn't say no. If a, if a gentleman in his mid-90s wanted to give you a Hershey's bar, you wouldn't say, oh, I, I am trying to cut down on my chocolate. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to say I'd turn down the juicy fruit. Not much of a sweet tooth. I'm not, I'm not saying I'd turn down the juicy fruit. I'm mm-hmm. just saying somebody who... I'm, how do you? How do you? How do you turn it you, down? I, the answer is you don't. Yeah. If a if an elderly person wants to give you a treat, how long have you, you you take the treat and you say thank you? You're marvelous. Although my first question, how long have you had this? Is this juicy fruit from World War Two? <laughs> right. Was this which is kind, which is kind of cool. Did they send this to you in a which like is kind of cool? But was this like a care package kind of deal or? I don't want to take your World War Two juicy fruit. <laughs> I just. Why don't you want it? What's wrong with it? Why are you so skeptical? What's the matter with the juicy what's, fruit? What's wrong has with it, the juicy fruit? Has this juicy fruit turned? Huh? Is this exposed? Juicy fruit was introduced. What year do you think? Oh, when did juicy fruit hit the market? Uh, the 19, uh, 1930. Yeah, okay. That's a good guess. Answer is 1893. Boy. 127 years ago. Juicy fruit. Has it tasted the same all this time? Why wouldn't it? I mean, they took juicy fruit off the market in World War II because of ingredient shortages. And the gum was included in what they called sea rations. So you would get juicy fruit if you were, maybe that's when he fell in love with it. Probably did. Yeah. But that was a uh, something from home. Right. And now he just, you know, when he can, he hands out. Obviously, you hope he gets better and is able to hand out more juicy fruit. But if he does uh, Here's some take juicy a turn. Fruit. Now, do you get one stick or you get the whole? Packs. Whole pack. Yeah, no, this guy's gimmick is he gives out packs of juicy fruit, which cost what, like a quarter? Here, have some juicy fruit. What's the catch? What are you? Uh, what are you on, man? What, what's the catch? What's uh? What's what, going on here? You trying to get my DNA? What, you think I was born yesterday? I'm not stupid. They sent some delightful old World War II veteran to trick me into chewing gum, and then you get my DNA that I can't turn down. No, uh, sorry, old man. I was born during the day, but it wasn't yesterday. Yeah, he hands out packs and packs of them. That's his. That's his thing. I need to become one of these. Like, when I become an old man, I need to give away treats, I think. Oh, boy. Here we go. I just think that's so charming. Like Here we go. I just... Isn't that wonderful? Like... Here, have one of my ding-dongs. <laughs> Maybe. I'm the ding-dong man. Lay. Hey. Now, wait a minute. Come here. I'm, I'm... Where, are you, where are you running to? Come here. <laughs> I'm the ding-dong man. Who wants my ding-dong? Ding Dong is a problematic product <laughs> to offer a stranger. <laughs> ding Dong, I wouldn't go for. Uh-huh. There's Dave. I'm Dave Lore, the Ding Dong Man. How about I give out, like, Laffy Taffies? You know? Cause, oh, like, what, I, so you can pull people's teeth right out of well, their head? you know, like, and they'll say about me when I'm old, like, you know, he was he was a funny person, and he, he gave out Laffy Taffies wherever he went. Here, I think, don't you think that's charming? Here I come. I'm the Ding Dong Man. I'm not going to be Ding Dong Man. Here, catch. Here, catch my ding-dong. I wouldn't, but, be, I wouldn't be ding-dong man if only to avoid the here. headline in the Quad City Times being ding-dong, the ding-dong man is dead. <laughs> here, put, put, put both your hands out for my ding-dong. Close your eyes and open your mouth and you'll get a big surprise. It's my ding-dong. Are you disappointed that it's uh, that kind of ding-dong? I'm very old and very lonesome. 
I don't know. I just think that's a charming thing. Like, I, if I live to, if I'm lucky enough to live to be an advanced age, well, I think I might be one of these old men that goes around giving out treats. You're already old. Start doing it now. I'm not old enough that people will accept candy from me. When you're in your 90s, no one, everyone's guard is down. 90? You're going to wait till 90? Well, I think it's something to look forward to. That I could be one of these old fellas that is charming and smiling and giving out candy to people. I think that could be fun. I'm not, it's just, there's, a stranger giving away candy is something that is creepy until you get to a certain age, and then it is delightful. And Truth I think, be told, if, yeah. if, if my choice is Juicy Fruit, a Hershey bar, or Ding Dongs, mm-hmm. I'll take the Ding Dongs. What about Tootsie Rolls? What if I had out, handed out Tootsie Rolls at an advanced age? Are you going to be asking for donations? No, I just, that's what I do. I give out Tootsie Rolls. How big a ones? Like, you know, kind of like what Knights of Columbus does. The flavored ones? The different no, flavored no, no, ones? No, those are Tootsies. I'm talking about Tootsie Rolls. The You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm, I just think that's charming. I would like, I, I think it would be fun to do. Got a pocket full of candy. <laughs> And it's these Tootsie Rolls are warm because they've been in my old man <laughs> pants all day long. <laughs> you look like you could use a ding-dong. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. And just like that, the Dave and Darren Top 5 Things comes to an end. We do hope you enjoyed. It just started. I don't get it. Where did it go? We'll, we'll have another one. Where did it go? It's not the last one. We'll have more. It was brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. Nature's Treatment of Illinois' goal is to fully understand their clients' needs physically, mentally, and emotionally because they know it's not easy to live with a chronic illness. They're experienced wellness consultants. They'll sit down with you and discuss what options might work best for you and uh, make you feel comfortable. Frequently asked questions are available and answered at web at the uh, website ntillinois.com. Until next time, hang loose, kooks. You stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities, represent. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davin Ford, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. I'm proud of you fellas. You all kept your head on a swivel, and that's what you got to do when you find yourself in a vicious cockfight.